0: It's showtime! What is going on, everybody? This is Edo Ninja. You are now listening to the Storm Connects podcast, to where today we are going to be talking about Ruby, Volume Seven of what we have so far. I have waited so long to talk about Ruby and make content on Ruby, but I just never got around to it. And I've been kicking my ass for a while, the fact that, like, I haven't been actually getting onto that because I missed the opportunity with Volume 6. Because after Volume 5, it made me want to, like, actually jump in with the Ruby content and such and, like, actually have more of an open platform to discuss about that. But I always have failed to do that. But now, with this podcast that has started up, I feel like that we can actually accomplish that now. So quick disclaimer as well, if you have not watched Chapter 6 of Ruby Volume 7, I suggest you tune in this podcast at another time after you have watched Chapter 6 because this is going to contain spoilers for that episode because as of right now, it is only available to first members and such, so if you do not have the membership or any means to watch uh, the latest chapter then I suggest you just wait until that chapter has been released so then you can come back to this podcast and then you can hear more of my thoughts and such of what I have to say. So this is going to include the spoilers as well. So with that being said, let's first discuss the basics of what they showcased before Volume 7 was officially aired on the Rooster Teeth website. Let's talk about the character designs. The character designs for Team Ruby and Team, I like to call them Junior at this point because now like, if you put Oscar with Team jr and such he is the o so there you go but yes uh team ruby right um i their designs are drastically different compared to their upgrades from volumes one to three and then going to mistral right so now we have their atlysian outfits i this is a huge huge difference i'm going to say that much the only characters that didn't have too much of a difference was ruby and yang so let me talk about ruby and yang um they're okay not exactly my favorite but like it's not like pretty bad right um ruby it looks like it's a little bit of a combination between her mistral outfit and her alternate version outfit back in volumes one and two around that area that time frame um so, it's just, like, a little bit annoying the fact that, like, it kind of keeps a little bit rehashed and such, though. But at least, like, you know, there are some differences, though. But it's, like, it's not anything, like, too drastic. Um, I don't know if there has been some tests that Ru- how would Ruby look in different type of outfits and stuff like that. Or if her entire design would be changed and such. But, obviously, her signature is the, um, the red hood the, um, with her cape and stuff like that, that's basically her signature, and it works, like, you know, that's something that's, like, part of her that should stay, I agree with that, um, I do the, like, I do like the fact that she has a lot of more zippers and stuff like that, and, like, you know, well, not zippers, but belts, um, basically a Nomura effect (laughs) from Kingdom Hearts, um, her hairdo, it's, Not bad, like, I'm starting to get, like, used to it now, like, it's starting to grow onto me, but, like, now it's, like, kinda, like, at first in the illustration, it looks nice, but after seeing it in the Maya engine, I believe that's what it is, um, it's kinda weird, it gives me off that, like, she's Cinder's little sister, I'm sorry, it's just, I kinda see it to a little bit of that degree, but... I mean, like, it's not that bad, so I, I, I give it, like, an okay. Like, it's, it's passable and stuff like that. I don't think you need too much of a change, though. But, like, hey, so, like, you know, you need something new and such, and you went through a lot of hardship all the way at Mistral, so it's definitely time for that upgrade. Same could be said for the um, rest of Team Ruby and uh, Junior. So, Yang, okay? Um, Yang, it looks like a combination from her Mistral outfit and Vernal's design. Uh, I'm not exactly why they went to that direction with her design and stuff like that. Like, I mean, yeah, it's- And Atlas is fucking cold as shit, though. But it's just, like, I don't know, like, she used to be, like, that cool, like, sexy character and such. And she's just not looking like that anymore, which is fine. Because, like, now, like, she has, like, a new approach, especially to what her history is and such. But that outfit, I just don't know. It just looks like that she's just kind of toned down a lot, which I'm not so sure how to really feel about that. It just doesn't, like- look Yang to me, it just looks like somebody that's, like, trying to be close to Raven back to Volume 5 and such because of Renal, so I'm not so sure what what was going on with the design, though, but, like, it's not entirely bad either, it's just that I thought, like, they would go for something, basically not that, though, because, like, it took me a minute to, like, notice, like, whatever the changes between her Mitchell outfit and the Elysian outfit that she's in now. So, but it's, like, passable and such. And, plus, she has her shades again. So, hey, <laughs> it's cool with me. Um, Now, the two characters that I'm not too much of a fan of. Blake and Weiss. I want to talk about Weiss first. Her outfit design, it's not bad. I want to, like, actually make this clear. It's not horrible. It's not the worst idea and stuff like that. What she looks in that uh, Elysian outfit, it looks... It's stunning. It's very stunning, though. However, it's just that look and such, it makes, I feel like it's, like, too mature for Weiss and such. Like, it's, like, a little bit too different. I don't know. It looks like that she's trying to be, like, winter, which is fine. But the thing is the fact that I feel like if she was a little bit older, like, give it, like, a few more years, that outfit would probably would look better on her, like, you know, she still, like, grows a little bit more, and stuff like that, I don't know, if just for some reason, it looks off to me, like, I don't think she's, like, ready for this type of outlist uh, combat dress that she's wearing, though, it's stunning, though, don't get me wrong, and it will look great on her, it's just, I don't think that, like, this was, like, the, because, like, I don't know, like, it feels like she, like, skipped, forcibly, like, had, like, a time, maybe three to four years skip, and such, but it's only literally been, like, not not even that much from Volume 6. Because literally, like, it just starts off immediately from the ending of Volume 6 to Volume 7. So, I do like her hair, though. Like, her hair is, like, it's really nice. So, that's the one thing I really like on her uh, design. But other than that, though, it's just not exactly a fan favorite. I prefer her Mistral outfit any day of the week. But that's just me. I just feel like, again, it, give it more time for Weiss for, you know time of growth and stuff like that I think it would actually work on her but I just don't think it does right now it's a little bit too drastically different that's like going to like upward type of way so that's all I really have to say about that Blake I okay so in my own personal opinion with Blake she went from having the best character design in volumes four to six to one of the worst now I am not a huge fan of what they did with her, and I, like, okay, so let me start off with the haircut, okay, um, her haircut, it just looks too bland, you know, uh, like, in the illustration, I, like, I liked of where the direction it was going, I'm like, okay, I'm, I prefer Blake's long hair, but if she wants to cut her hair, she fucking cuts her hair, like, who the fuck, like, girl wanna do it, girl wanna do it that's just the end of that, but, uh, the thing is the fact that, like, after looking at it in the, um, in the animated series, uh, it just doesn't look good, like, I was expecting it to, like, look wavy and stuff like that, like I saw in the illustration, it just looks like it's just going straight down and such, I, I don't know, it just, I feel like it just doesn't look good on her, it's just a little bit too different, so I'm not so sure what to really say about that, it just, It doesn't work. I just feel like there needs to be a little bit more flair to it to actually work with it. And if they did that, then I'd be okay with it. But it's just, like, I don't know. The way of, like, how her hair was kind of going down when she had it a little bit longer, I was expecting, like, it was going to be kind of like that, but shorter. But, no, it just, I don't know. It didn't really give me that type of impression. I'm not too much of a fan with it. And uh, the cat suit um i don't know i just i don't know if this is supposed to work for her combat wise and such or like you know just to show off that like she's now part of the um the huntress force in atlas but it just doesn't work i don't know i i feel like like they trying to make a combination from the mistral outfit because i love her mistral outfit so much though but like they just like took that and then just made it into like you know oh yeah she's part of the military so, I don't know, I just don't like that look on her, because that's just not Blake, you know? So, at least that's what I have to really say about that. I I don't have really much other things to comment regarding with Blake, though, but I just I don't like that design so much. Um, with that being said, Team Junior, Jean-Arc, Lyran, uh, and Noir Valkyrie. Jean. Um... I do agree, Jean. He needed an upgrade. Cause I did not like his character design and such. I'm gonna say this right now. I don't like John at all. I don't like him in the Ruby series. Um, but uh this what he has, it, I will say that like it's not my favorite, but it's a step. It's a step up to what he has from his previous designs and stuff like that. I do like like it's a it's an upgrade, like I said earlier um although i don't think that hairstyle it works on him though but again i would prefer it more than his previous hairstyle um and I, i don't know it's just the fact that like looking at him of how so tall he is and basically like you know he's basically the the knight of team junior and so well basically with his design you you get the idea I don't know. It just kind of looks a little bit too off with that, especially like knowing with this character and such. I just feel like that's just not exactly Jean, you know. But it it's better from his previous designs. I will say that much. So I like, do You know, it's okay. Like it's stepped and stuff like that. We're working on it, so I can dig it for now. I won't complain too much about it. Um, Ren, I I think he's. Probably my favorite at the current moment, uh, Lyran. He, I love how what they did with his hair, like you know, it's braided and stuff like that, and it's starting to give me a little bit of that vibe from you know, his uh volume one to three hairstyle and such when his hair used to be a little bit shorter. But uh, yeah, no, it actually looks like really cool. Like I also like the uh the extra dagger that they added to his um shoulder pad. That I thought that was like a like a really cute touch, but. Other than that, though, I I really am digging it. I like it a lot, actually. Um, I don't have any other comments to say about that. Uh, and Nora Valkyrie. So with her design, I I still dig it. I prefer her previous design, but this design is not entirely bad. It's just the fact that like now it's more of like popping highlight colors and stuff like that. When like there's a little bit of like toning down to complement those colors, now she doesn't really have that much of it anymore. But it's not bad, though, but now she look, she kind of looks like somebody that, like, you would expect to see in a candy store. But other than that, though, like, it's cool, it's whatever, like, alright. I still like the other one better, though, but, like, okay, I, I, I'll accept this for now. So, um, with that being said, um, I'm also going to include characters that, even though they weren't showcased beforehand, I'm going to still go into the design aspect and such um, that they were showcased later in the show. So, Crow Bronwyn right, <laughs> Crow Broadway, man, he looks like he's going to a wedding, I, I like his design, don't get me wrong, like, it looks kind of cool, though, I do think that, like, they should extend his sleeves a little bit more, because I don't like where his sleeves, um, where they're at the placement of it, it looks kind of weird, but it looks like he's kind of going to a wedding, but, like, it still kind of fits his character overall, so I like it, I pre- I preferred the previous design that he had though, but this one I'm okay with it. Like it's okay though. Just just extend those sleeves and then we good. All right. <laughs> um, and then Ironwood, right? Um, so Ironwood, this kind of confused me a little bit. Um, because he had uh, basically like he had another redesign because like he had um a redesign going from the fall of Beacon. And then to basically the Mistral arc, then all of a sudden we get him another redesign. Like, I was not expecting that though. But honestly, like, I prefer that one because uh, during the Mistral arc on that outfit, it's just like, eh, it's like, whatever. But like, it's just like, it doesn't, it's not that like so appealing to me. I don't think it's like bad looking. It's just the fact that like, I don't know, it just didn't scream like, oh, like, ooh, this is really good or whatever. It's just like, ah, okay, it's there. But seeing this in Volume 7 of his new design, I, I like it. It's actually really good. It, it's, you know, um, it's kind of going back to that, um, the first design that he had type of feeling and such, though. But, like, there's actually, like, more, like, complimentary that he looks, like, more uh, mature. and Not mature, but, like, I would take it a little bit more seriously as basically, you know, someone who's head of the government and the school of Atlas Academy and the kingdom of it, basically, so, uh, with that being said as well, uh, Winter Schnee, um, they made her look like a secretary, um, I don't know if that's exactly what they wanted her to do, or, you know, to look like, but, I'm not saying, like, it's a bad thing and such, though, but it's just, like, she's, it's just that her, her previous design, I preferred that one much more, but this one is not that bad. Like, it's still cool and such. Like, you know, I saw the concept arts uh, of what she was supposed to have for Volume 7 and such, though. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Now, nah, this is still, a, like, a good design. So, I I, I, I dig it. And especially seeing it in the um, animated, I, I think it's okay. It's acceptable. So, it gets a plus from me. <laughs> so, I'm now done talking about their designs. I kind of want to talk about, like, a couple things. Like, basically the trailer and stuff like that and the synopsis. Of volume seven, before we talk about like the in context of Ruby and the story of like what's really happening, so let me go a little bit over of the synopsis that they dropped for volume seven. Ruby, Weiss, Bling, and Yang f- have fought hard alongside their friends to bring the relic of knowledge to Atlas, the northernmost kingdom and remnant. However, the futuristic urban sprawl may hide just as much danger as the grim infested tundra that surrounds it. Enemies and allies will collide as our heroes fight to stop Salem's forces, but banding together is dangerous when you don't know who you can trust. So, uh, I pretty much expected the fact that this whole, like, trust thing and such regarding with this whole Salem fiasco, that's not going to be dropped because basically with Ironwood uh, withdrawing his troops and nobody could uh, come in or out of the borders of Atlas and stuff like that, and help other kingdoms that really need it, like, oh, yeah, like, this is so fishy and such, and plus, like, fucking Team Ruby, they stole a fucking Atlas airship, so, <laughs> oh, lord, I wonder how that's gonna go, but, uh, but that's the thing, though, is the fact that, like, even, like, I, again, I pretty much expected for this whole trusting to, like, be a thing, though, is the fact that, like, They don't have anywhere else that they can go to or who they need to actually work with. Because as of right now, what we learned in Volume 6, that's some hefty shit. So, it's like, I hope we do not have like basically a rewritten, uh, uh, not rewritten, but a recycled idea of somebody of Atlas, an inside job is working for Salem and such you know like ironwood was responsible for the fall of beacon or winter Schnee must have known where the winter maiden and stuff like that and she is loki gonna try to kill her so then she can get those powers for herself and such and then work for salem and join her forces i i don't know but it's just like that just gives me gives me that impression where it's just like okay whatever your opinions are of what you guys should do and stuff like that you guys need to set that shit aside because like We don't have Ozpin anymore. We don't. We really don't have him anymore because his fucking bullshit back in Volume 6. Like, that man disappeared, okay? So, it's the idea, the fact that, like, I hope we don't have those type of recycled ideas. Like, I'm fine if we need to go back to this whole, like, oh, who can you trust and stuff like that, though. But, like, if there's some recycled ideas for this... I might have some problems with that. Like, it was already fine for uh, Lionheart and such. I just hope that, like, they know of what they're doing to have, like, a good twist to this. So, but as of right now, we're only six chapters into the volume. So, we really cannot make that judgment until then, though. But that's something that I wanted to keep in mind, especially for that synopsis that uh, was dropped out. At least that's something that, like, I kept in mind because that, like, you know, this was before um, it was aired officially on their website. So that's something that I was like, uh, uh-oh. <laughs> and lastly, um, their trailer. So before I talk about anything else about the trailer, uh, I just want to uh, express how much I hate this line. Tell us of how we can help. Girl, You, I'm sorry. Like, I, that sounds stupid, but I don't know. It's just hearing that line is just the fact that, like, I, I don't know. It, it just bothers me. It's just... It doesn't sound like, it's just like, girl, you know what to do to help and stuff like that. We have to stop. Salem, come up with a plan and stuff like that. I don't like that line at all. It's not something that I would want to hear from Ruby. That's just something that was like really annoying to me. It's like, girl, you know you know what to do and stuff like that. You all need to know what you guys got to do and such because you guys are on your own. You don't have Auspin. So, yeah, besides my little rant about Ruby, right? so let's talk about ironwood of his quotes uh, in the trailer right he just sounds tired like he usually is like a little bit aggressive or like you know he shows that he's frustrated and such though it's just seeing how he's talking here he looks very tired and like type of paranoid like it doesn't look like he, he even wants to fight with anybody about it like he's just so done he is like Wanting to rest some way, shape, or another. Like, he's just fighting just to stay alive. And I I feel bad for him on that. I truly do. So, um, but, oh, oh, man. She will keep coming back stronger and stronger unless we destroy her. Oh, man. Ironwood, (laughs) If we go back to volume 6, if you were there, if you learned the truth about that, oh man, I I think you'll have a heart attack. I generally think Ironwood is eventually going to have a heart attack. I'm just saying, in this volume, maybe somewhat, or a stroke, I don't know. I feel like something's gonna happen to him where it's just like, I feel like that's going to be the final kicker of things that like Ironwood is like, he won't be able to stand at that point. So... I thought that's interesting, but other than that, uh, the action, it looks promising and stuff like that. I see that, like, they're still up to their fast-paced movements of their combat and the fight scenes and stuff like that, because they showed a little bit of preview of that against the Grimm and such, and, you know, landing in for a mission, so, yeah, no, it it looks like they're still, like, keeping up with that pace for it, so, that's all I really have to say about, like, you know, the pre-stuff for Volume 7. And now, let us enter into the story. So as I mentioned earlier, we immediately start off in, basically, in Atlas. Already, they already made it and stuff like that. They're still in the airship. And uh, all I gotta say, the only thing I have to say for Maria, this is something I want to comment on real quick just to get it out of the way. Fucking Maria just keeps giving me reasons as to why I love her so much, her fucking sass, her fucking, like, bluntness, her savageness and such, just everything in that fucking episode, like, it was just fucking perfect, it's just unfortunate that after that episode, we don't see that much of her anymore and such, because, like, she filled in for, like, one purpose, and I guess that was just the end of that, so that's really unfortunate, but I'm just glad that at least, like, they made it off as, like, a little bit of a send-off, who knows, we might see her again in the volume and such, but... As far as I'm seeing, I have not seen a single glimpse of her. It makes me sad. (laughs) But that's all I have to say about Maria. So, like, here's the one thing I don't understand. Like, Mantle, it looks like it's in shambles at the moment and such. I'm not so sure if Weiss, like, knew about it ever since that she came back home from Beacon and such, though. But, like, she's just, like, now seeing the fact that, like all of the, uh, people in Mantle and such, they are, like, really fucked up, or even heard rumors about it, because ever since the Dust had their little embargo and such, it's been, like, getting pretty bad there, so I'm not so sure as to, like, what went down throughout that year that, like, all of a sudden, it had this big issue, so, um, like, because it looks like it only happened with the span of, like, a month, which, that, that's, like, pretty short and such. Like, I would expect it, like, it would have been like that from the beginning. Because all the kingdoms they suffered ever since the fall of Beacon. So, just seeing that, though, like, why surprise, is just like, huh? What? However, finding out the borders were closed for Atlas. Now, that makes sense. Like, of course, like, why she would not have known that exactly until, like, she came right back to Atlas. And seeing, of like, how they're assembled. Like, they're expecting an attack. So, that part, I can't understand, to that extent, because, I mean, again, no one is allowed to come in or leave Atlas. And seeing Ironwood and even Winter Sneed through the video intercoms of how they're talking to Mantle and stuff like that, like, of cooperating with Atlas personnel and such, it's just so scary, because, like, I get it, this is just to be safe and sorry and such, though, but, like, they're suffering. And because of that, like, they can't trust even their own leader of that, but they have no choice. They don't have a choice, because it's kind of like they're being held captive there to suffer. And of course, because of that, guess what? Fear, negative energy, and emotions and such, that attracts Grimm. So, it's still much of a hassle to deal with. Like, I get it. Like, they have good, trained Huntsmen to go after these, like, you know, for the protection and stuff like that. Though, But even then, like, that's still not enough. That doesn't justify that. So, going further with the series, I do like the fact that, like, the way of how somebody could talk and their actions and stuff like that, like, they're showing what the series really is and, like, what's building up the story and such, rather than just, like, oh, well, once upon a time, back in my days and stuff like that. Like, they're actually, like, showing it and actually referring to the fondest racism. And then they meet Petro, which he seems to be a real sweetheart and such. He seems like a really nice guy. So my comment about this, right, I understand that Pedro, he is the father of Penny Palandina and, like, he explains that, oh, well, my daughter has told me so much about you and such, so that was obviously, you know, the reference that she was basically alive again and such, it's just nobody caught on to that reference, but besides that, though, the thing is, is the fact that I'm surprised that this series has not, like, made comments or, like, have recognized Team Ruby through the Vital Festival Tournament. Especially Yang. Like, pretty much through the 1v1s, the semifinals, that was a yikes, because the whole world literally just saw Yang quote-unquote break Mercury's leg, even though, like, the match was already over and stuff like that. That was a foul move. He was already down as it is. That was messed up. So i don't understand that like because of that impact nobody has been able to recognize her and like you know come out of her throat for it like that's actually a little bit surprising i don't know if they're ever going to touch upon that again though but i just find it really weird that like that was like closest to the last thing that they saw before the fall of beacon you know so moving forward with that though we see the revival of penny palantina she is back with a Very, very adorable new design and look, and she's stronger and better than ever. And she's also the official protector of Mantle, which that's, like, amazing. Like, it is, it's good news that we needed to see. Even though, like, in a way, like, yeah, the impact of Volume 3, it kind of just, like, was diminished in a way. Like, now the only death that, like, we have. Like, Penny was a robot, so, like, obviously there was going to be a way to revive her because she's a robot. She's not an actual human being. But I mean again, Pedro was able to fucking recover everything and guess what? That turned out to be a okay though. But I do feel like Ruby's reaction, it was a little bit underwhelming throughout that time because the fall of Beacon, that was a, such a dark time and like volumes three to six, it was dark hour. So I just felt like that was like a little bit underwhelming. I was a little bit expecting a little bit more emotion to it with Ruby and such. Like I get, there was like a lot of couple things that was like going on though, but like I would have expected some type of impact a little bit more towards to Ruby because that was unfair to Penny like that, especially that she was just quote unquote killed just to make a statement. So of course they thought they got captured, and then we just get to the next episode basically. <laughs> so, uh, this character Forrest, um, I just want to give, um, I want to just give this a moment to pay. My respect to him and such. He was a good side character. And, um, I don't know if he kept up with Rooster T's Twitter and such. But, Fruby, that was going to be a thing. And I'm so sad that it did not happen. I feel so bad for the voice actor, too. So sad. Very sad. Okay, moment's over. Anyway, um, (laughs) but... Yeah, so, basically, um, I don't know what came over them, but, like, they are being taken straight to Ironwood. So, I guess that's a good thing, like, not in the best way as possible, but I guess this is better than nothing. (laughs) Now, their reunion with Winter and Ironwood may have not been the best, but we can say that it's a better meeting than with Lionheart. At least in my opinion with that, because Lionheart, like, he was working with Salem, Ironwood, like, he's just paranoid. So, the meeting, right? Let's talk about that because this has not left my mind at all. So, my thing with this was the fact that, like, Ironwood, he had the Relic of Knowledge, like, right in this cabinet of his desk. So, like, if you have that, wouldn't that give you, like, an idea that, oh, the people that were supposed to be coming to Atlas... They got the relic and they're here because of the shit that went down and stuff like that. But no, because that you were so paranoid that, I mean, I get, I get it. Your Atlas ship was stolen, quote unquote, stolen. And it looked very suspicious, right? But if you got the relic of knowledge and stuff like that, your first action is to arrest these people. You're crazy. I'm sorry. That's just, I, I don't know. That's just something that, like, I was just thinking, like... I. Oh my, like, yeah, you better be sorry for the reception that they got ever since they arrived there. (laughs) And now for the real shit. We need to talk about this plan. I've waited so long to talk about this. So, (laughs) I was fine. The fact that, like, the Amity Tower is going to establish a new purpose, basically as a satellite to reconnect, basically to establish the connections with the rest of the kingdoms, especially if they were to lose another tower. So, that's great. That is amazing and such. Like, yeah, you're going to definitely need support for that, though. But why do you need the military force for this? Especially drawing back all of his truth. Why would you need to do that? And then the moment when he said that, like, he was going to tell the whole world about Salem using that satellite... Oh my God, Ironwood! I uh, at this point I can't tell like if you're joking or like you're asking for suicide because you're just that depressed, or you have been smoking. But I I, I can list a lot of outcomes or possibilities for this that made him make this decision though. But this is not it. He makes the argument of saying fighting in secret is eventually going to kill them all. In a sense, he's not wrong about that. I do see his point with that. I agree with him. But what is publicizing about Salem going to do any better about this? He says that he's ready when all I'm hearing is either A, he is just that depressed. He's asking for, you know, a way of killing himself by declaring war himself first B, he's been drinking and smoking that it got him so high that he thought this decision would be a good idea. Like, he genuinely thinks that and we may not know about his drinking and smoking problems. That might be, like, kept secret low-key. C, he wants to assert his dominance that he's not afraid of Salem, that, like, he can't actually fight back because he hasn't lost all of hope and such, which is going to best him that way, if that's really the reason. Or D you get it. I can list many possible uh, possibilities of what made him come to this decision to tell the whole world about Salem and such though, but I can definitely say for sure that this is not going to end well. He makes the argument of saying, oh, well, I think we're ready. We are ready to take her on and such. Everything that's going to come after us, that chaos and such, we are ready to fight we can do this and we will win and we will take her down you're allowed to think that he is more than welcome to actually think that he can take on salem even though like we all know that that ain't gonna happen in the way that he thinks it's just displaying that type of military might and power it's not going to work that way and the issue is the fact that like when you i don't understand like why would you re-establish the connection among the world of remnant you know the other continents and such and that's the first thing that you say that's not a good look because one you're only thinking about yourself you have all your military personnel and such in atlas not among the other kingdoms and stuff like that because once you announce it the other world you're only thinking about yourself that way you're not thinking about what's going to happen to the other kingdoms it's going to be like the fall of beacon again because the horror the terrified you know emotion and your first thing to do is worsen that and again this is going to be non-stop constant of fear that everyone is going to have everyone has to deal with a war fighting among the Grimm and salem's forces and that's fucking scary as shit. and salem doesn't need to prepare for anything she doesn't have to she can just fucking like again the Grimm. they they come back no matter what they will come back and that for the first time salem will actually be front head forces about it that's the only difference that's going to make in this quote unquote war that they're about to go into basically what i'm saying here is the fact that he is fighting a battle that i don't think he understands that he cannot win and the kingdoms that don't even know what's going on are in, are left in the dark they're going to be unprepared for war and they're going to be suffering more than how atlas is going to suffer in a way in terms of like you know populating like you know basically wiping out humanity and stuff like that but that's just when coming to the plan and such now if we add in Tyrion and Jacques basically like you know running for the council election and Dr. Watts oh my god that just makes it so much worse and ever since that I had an idea of Ironwood's plan and how things are going between Jacques and Ironwood, what Dr. Watts is planning, what Tyrion is doing and stuff like that. I'm starting to see death flags for Ironwood himself, which is very scary and unfortunate. Now let's talk about Ruby, her decision of telling Ironwood the truth or not. So here's my thing with this. I find it extremely funny. The one that has to suffer the grave responsibility of handling Salem. I find this super funny. Oscar is the one to point out that we're basically being hypocrites because this is what Ospen did in the past and what the reasoning that Ruby gave off like it's exactly what Ospin was worried about is the anxiety and stuff like that the division among themselves he's trying to not cause that because even if you were to tell the full truth at your own leisure and stuff like that you're going to feel some type of way and there's going like there's never going to be satisfaction towards any of this you know and plus, Osmond has lived fucking s- centuries, maybe millennia and such before these kids were around. So they-, they need to start a little bit showing more respect. I mean, I get being upset about it, though, but like, what else can you really do at a very shitty situation like that? And Ruby, with her answers towards the Ironwood, is just like, damn, you really try to keep that shit hush, hush, mo. I'm surprised Ironwood did not pick up on that. But yeah, I needed to insert a little bit of Chapter 3 with uh, this chapter, Chapter 2. Um, so I'll resume that a little bit in a moment. I want to talk about the new characters. The Aesops. Clover. Harriet. Vine. Elm. And Marrow. I don't like any of them. I do not like them. At all. I, there's just something about all these guys. I just do not like them. The leader, like Clover, his semblance is good fortune. But it's just the thing is the fact that, like, the way of how he acts and how he could come off as, I feel some type of dishonesty from him. Like, I feel like you're too good to be true of the way of how you act. Like, it's good that, like, you take your job seriously. You take some things and stuff like that. Like, you're loyal to Ironwood. Like, that's great. You are pretty much doing your job and such though but there's just something about him i don't know like we first just met and such and i just you're giving me some type of red flag and i hope that's not going to be the case later down in the series but i'm sensing a red flag from you um let's talk about elm i think like she's the only one that like i'm okay with like i don't have any issues with her I just kind of need to get to know her a little bit more and such. Like, the only thing I know is the fact that, like, she's not afraid to speak out on her mind. Like, whatever it's on it, she just says it out quickly, just like that. But I feel like I need to know a little bit more of her just to see if, like, is it really true as well. Like, it's not the amount of dishonesty level as Clover, but it's just like, hmm, what's your reasoning and why do you act the way that you do? I want to know your reasoning, especially that all of you as the Aesops, you guys know about Salem. I want to know about your guys' reaction towards that. Mero, he is probably, in my opinion, he's annoying. He comes off as very annoying and such because he's just like, oh my god, you guys are such a pest and stuff like that, when really, like, he's pretty much the one that's, like, being annoying and acting like he has the brains when he doesn't have the brains in the Aesops and such. So I don't like how he can come off that, that way at all and such, because it's just like, dude, come on, chill the fuck out. Like, can you stop complaining for, like, two seconds? Because that's all I keep hearing him doing. Like, he's just like, ugh, dealing with you and stuff. Like, that. like, dude, stop. Like, they're trying to get by and such. And you, like, saying that they're in the way and stuff like that. I feel like you're mostly in the way from Team Ruby and such. Like, that's something that I had to agree with Clover on. It's like, they pro- I think they probably fought harder than you ever had in your life. Like, stop. I'm going to need you to pause right there. Like, please, please stop. (laughs) Vine, he gives me so much of Lai Ren vibes. I feel like those two would get along so much, though. But, like, I think... Actually, as a matter of fact, I take my comment back from earlier. I think he's the only Aesop member that I actually like. So, because he's, like, calm and stuff like that, like, he's pretty open-minded about some things and such. And, you know, in his description here, he says that he believes in self-improvement. So... That's cool and such. He wants to keep improving to do better for others and such and, of course, to stop Salem. That's great. So, I like him. And the semblance, too. It's pretty cool. Harriet, for some reason, likes to be very competitive for whatever reasons. I'm not sure as to why. But it's good that she does take her job very seriously and stuff like that. And she's quick on her feet. So, She's okay, but, eh, I'm not too much of a fan of her. I don't, like, dislike her, dislike her as much as the other characters in the Aesops. But, it's just, like, right now, like, she's kind of, like, neutral towards me, though. But, like, she's not making any progress for me to actually get get a reason to like her, you know? Those are my impressions of the Aesops so far and stuff like that. It still carries out to, you know, the latest chapter as mentioned earlier. So, but I'll make more comments about that as we talk about more of the story and such. So, the only thing I'm gonna wrap this up for chapter two of that is, let's keep this in mind. Penny said at the end, of, near at the end of the episode, she said, "It's gonna be like Beacon all over again." That alarmed me so much because that can be a jinx. Like now, every time that like. There's, like, someone makes a promise and stuff like that or tries to find the light of any situation and such. I'm just now getting that impression, like, oh, yeah, that's going to be reversed so quick. So, so quick and stuff like that. And then Rooster T is going to keep me on my toes at the edge of my seat every single episode and such. And then I'm going to have to wait another week just to be at the edge of my seat again. So, (laughs) but we already know how that process goes through. So, yes, let's talk about their mission now. So, I'm glad they finally did this because Monty was planning this for the series when he was still alive. Rest in peace, Monty Ohm. Um, He was wanting to have characters to have their own upgrades of their weapons and stuff like that. I'm still glad that like they're doing like with character designs and stuff like that for their outfits and such, Though, but I'm glad that he also wanted to do that for their weapons as well. And uh, I'm honestly very impressed that Team Kruby was able to accomplish that of, you know, complementing people's styles and stuff like that without, like, changing much of anything, really. That's really nice. It's so helpful and useful to everyone. And, of course, they use the excuse of, oh, yeah, well, Atlas, it, you know, we have the greatest of the best of the best scientists out here and stuff like that. So it's nice. So let me talk a little bit more about um Clover because now this is where Crow is going to come in and such. Like, you know, they're... Those two were put in a team together, and, you know, Crow, he's misfortune. Clover, he's good fortune. Now, the whole matter with semblances being polar opposites, one that is similar to the other and such, all of that. I understand that they're trying to fit this in, so then Team Ruby they will be able to make themselves better, get stronger, expand on their semblances and their aura a bit and such, and basically... Connect with the Aesop's a bit more so then they'll be ready for what's coming to them and personal character development. I understand that much. I get that. Though I don't like Clover, I really don't. The one thing I am going to say is that this is going to be a good thing for Crow because he needs a little bit of an eye-opener, especially since his life has been nothing but depressing and it sucks for me to even say it just like that, but that's the bitter truth of it. I feel like him being around with Clover, he can have his own personal development and such. And then he can have a different approach of things than, you know, the normal depressing such that he's had. I mean, I get it. Like, I didn't have much of a problem with it, though. But, like, hey, I'm I'm willing to see where this is going to go. So, I'm open-minded to this idea. I don't really have much to comment about their actions and stuff like that. All I gotta say, like, you know, their action is really cool and stuff like that. As always, like, Ruby has always excelled when it comes to fighting choreographies and such. So I'm not going to make much of a comment about that because it was good. It was something good. I don't have much to comment on. It was just amazing. So let's proceed further to that. Um, Now, the aftermath of that mission, right? As I've learned recently, some people like to call the Aesops the Levi Squad 2.0 from Attack on Titan. I haven't watched Attack on Titan I don't know that much of a reference and such, though. But basically, the Aesops they get along and such. They have to because they're a team. But, like, it's pretty much workforce. They don't confuse, you know, what they've gone through together and stuff like that in terms as friendship. This is just a job, a simple job to basically what they got to do, what they got to do. And their part-time job of saving the fucking world. So, to what I'm seeing here, because they were raised in Atlas... I can see that they're more, like, of course, they're in the military force, so they're not going to, like, be more like the chemistry that Team Ruby has of, like, what they've gone through together and such. Because I feel like what Team Ruby has gone through, it was more personal and such, while the official Atlas um, huntsman, the Aesop's, they're not so much up to that personals, like, you know, they just do their missions as they're given to and stuff like that. I don't feel like there's that much of, like, that personal chemistry as, like, compared to Blake and Yang having their own arc together that Yang was pretty much dragged in because of what the fuck happened with the whole Adam Torres fiasco and such. And, you know, it's terrifying. And they actually gave their time and care to each other because they were going through hell and such and who else were they going to turn to like this was their beginning this was their start and such so it's cool that like they not only work as a team and such but like they are working out as good friends and that was like great development so i feel like that's what divides that type of chemistry which is interesting to see although i'm more with team ruby on this one though but i see why the aesop's you know, mostly Harriet, the way how she conveyed that. I understand that much. So they talk to Ironwood, and Ironwood pretty much is reinforcing the idea of, oh, yeah, my, I am willing to sacrifice my public image and stuff like that. I'm like, you say that now, though, but that still doesn't justify a or make the situation any better of what you're trying to do for Mantle. Like, they're suffering. That type of dictatorship that he is doing is most likely going to be his downfall on that. And the worst part is that since Dr. Watts and Tyrion there he arrived in Atlas and Tyrion is basically doing the killings, specifically targeting people that are outspoken against the Ironwood, oh god, oh yeah, that was obviously going to be, you know, a tactic to frame you and for you to lose your council seat and probably your status as a high leader of the country. So now the whole debacle again between Ironwood and Jacques. And now entering Weiss Schnee for this situation. The only thing I want to comment on about this is Jacques mentioning Weiss's mother. Uh, He gave me some type of impression that, like, she's not well. And when I say that, like, she's not mentally right in the stable mind, I don't know what this is and such, because, like, they hardly talk about Weiss's mom. So it's just the fact that like, do we know, is she okay? Is she stable? Like, did something like happen to her that like caused her to act in a certain way? And she's just there for the sake of being there? Like, I need to know more about her mom. Like now, hearing that, like, that alarms me so much. Like, if I was in that situation, it's just like, what do you mean, you know, how your mother when she gets upset? Like, I, I don't know, like, that just rubs me off so much at the wrong way. And the way how Weiss reacted, like, that's kind of scary. I'm hoping they touch more upon that subject further into this volume. At least at some point. Or, like, we actually see her so we have a better, clear idea of why Weiss's father said the way that he said it. So, hopefully it's not ex- extreme. But, knowing Ruby, we may never know. So... Basically, the quote-unquote graduation of these new licensed huntsmen. Let's talk about that. Recalling this fact, Ironwood, he seems tired, but the way of how he delivered that graduation speech for these huntsmen, it it sounded sincere. Of course, like, he has his heart in the right place, and it's just the way of, like, seeing this side of him and how tired and paranoid he is. This is a good side that I, like scene of ironwood i feel like this is like really good i personally wanted to see this and they're doing a splendid job with ironwood's character so i'm digging it however the fact that ironwood allows you to keep the relic of knowledge in atlas even though i don't know why he gave it back to ruby i thought he would have some type of way to seal that somewhere so they won't touch it but giving it back to ruby in form of trust and ironwood basically granting their Huntsman licenses, I feel like that was the appropriate time that Ruby should have opened up about what they learned about Jin, and what they were told, the truth of Ozpin and Salem. I don't know why Ruby did not take that chance, though, but I feel like that was, like, kind of enough. I do understand that, like, in her position, she feels like that it's not enough to trust because you may never know. I understand that fear, but that's the thing, though. That's the fear that we also had the same questions and the fear from ospin himself but now i'm just kind of questioning like do you really want to go with this plan of ironwood announcing the whole world about salem and then bringing upon this ward like come on like we have time to rethink about this and such that was actually the perfect time so then there would actually be a conversation about that no she didn't let that happen will she ever tell ironwood about about Salem, the truth and such. I don't know, but I'm hoping that she does because right now like this is the perfect opportunity to say we need to withdraw this plan now cuz this is not going to work in the way he thinks it's going to. That's my only comment about the scene at the Amity Coliseum. So, this part, right? Dr. Watts, we're learning more a bit about him every episode of how much control that he had over Atlas and how much weight that he actually carries in this arc, right? So, we learned that he's supposed to be dead. He's supposedly good friends with Jock Schnee. And basically in his past, he has learned some type of intellect. He's gained that type of intellect, but unfortunately for the wrong reasons. We don't know anything beyond that. Hopefully, I mean, we should be able to, since we're learning a lot more in this volume about Dr. Watts, hopefully we get that concise, clear history as to why he joined Salem and as to why as to, he's doing the, what, what he's basically doing at this current moment of time. But he's very interesting. I will say that he is very interesting, is that he is an intellectual. He's very smart. I love the way how he presents himself. But the fact that he is using it for the wrong deeds, I want to know more about that. What came over to the? Because I don't want like, oh, yeah, well, my family died and such. I feel like there's something like this might be done out of sheer curiosity. I feel like this is what it is. This is his science that he wants to utilize for his future, for what he wants to pave in his own future. And it seems that it aligns more with Salem rather than whatever has happened with Atlas. Especially the fact that they're under the impression that he's dead. Even though he's alive and well. So, that's crazy. Alright, so now at this point we're going to be talking about the two chapters. Chapters 5 and 6. So, I want to organize this quickly for a moment. Um, A new character, Robin Hill. I'm going to save her for basically the last topic of this podcast of basically the lore and stuff like that because I don't want to jumble too much upon her character. So that's going to be the last part of it right now. We're going to focus anything that doesn't involve with Robin at that moment until basically you already know If, if you watch chapter six, you already know what happens. So chapter five and six. So they're still doing their missions and stuff like that, helping around with Mantle and Atlas and doing what they can to launch the Amity Coliseum satellite. It was actually really cool to see Team Funky again. This is something to, like, lighten up a little bit more for Ruby and such. So seeing them again, that was actually cool to see. And I can see that that stupid fucking neon cat still likes to talk shit as she's fighting. Like, oh my god, Nora! Like, That girl was asking for, yeah, a beatdown, and I'm glad Nora fucking delivered that shit. I'm sorry, but that still annoys me every time that she talks shit throughout the battle. Like, girl, if you do not shut up, like, never miss a beat, never miss a beat. Stop, come on. I don't want to hear anything more of that. But that's the only thing I wanted to get out of my chest before we talk about the hectic uh, new information that we learned. Now, I finally waited for this, and I'm so glad that I got it, and they delivered this so well the conversations between the two Schnees that have thrown away their last name distanced themselves from the last name and moved past without their father i pretty much expected winter to be like oh yeah why would ironwood keep secrets like yeah he hasn't done everything perfect but what would there be a point to keep these secrets and stuff like that and i'm glad that weiss was like questioning that like she didn't exactly open up to what she had a experience back in volume six but as winter made the comment like it made her like mature and grow up a whole lot especially to realize of what is actually going on what is the bigger picture and basically to show where Weiss came from from all this from how she was from the very beginning to where she is right now. Great character development by the way. Now the fact that she has to question that I love the touch that this is a good type of relationship between winter and weiss and that was basically the establishment of revealing that winter is going to become the winter maiden so this is the part where it gets very scary because winter expresses that she accepts the responsibility with these powers and such that she is ready to take on and become the target against salem Pyrrha made that decision, too, and we all saw what happened. Uh, And I hope I I don't see Winter dying because she's such a cool character. She's really cool. But, I mean, again, Rooster Teeth does not hold back. They are known to be killing off characters that have a lot of weight to the show. So I would not be surprised if it happens, though. But I'm hoping we do not have a repeat. But, hey, like I said earlier, Penny said herself that it'll be just like Beacon all over, I guess. (laughs) Now that we have discussed the acknowledgement of how the Schnee's come their own way of forming their own paths of their lives and such, the public stunt that Jacques is pulling on his own people of his business. So now I see what they're trying to do. They're literally trying to overthrow Ironwood so then Dr. Watts could control Jacques as he will be the front face while Dr. Watts, he can control behind the scenes and stuff like that and get his own gain and such. And um, Jacques would be able to get the council seat and such. And because that, Dr. Watts is so good with hacking and using technology and stuff like that. It's so scary because it's working because now like Mantle, the Kingdom of Atlas, like it is now... The chaos, it's actually growing now. And it's super alarming at this point. Like, this is now the time to talk. This is the time that we need to reformulate something quick before, like, things get worse around here. And now the latest chapter. Now this is the part where I can talk about Robin Hill from this point on because I need to talk about her in a proper way from the previous episode and to what I'm gathering of her character here. Shout out to Christina V for voicing such amazing character and stuff like that. I love her already and Christina, she's doing a wonderful job. So, shout out to her by the way. Team Ruby, Ironwood, and Clover. They all discuss about the whole election council seat going on and also taking a night off, but more importantly, let's talk about the whole election seat. So, Robin Hill, she is winning by a huge, huge milestone compared to Jacques who's at 30% and Robin, she's at 70%. So, you know, Ironwood, he doesn't like Robin for basically, I guess, for whatever reasons as to what the trouble of their ideals clashing with one another. But the thing is, is the fact that, like, it's a better option than Jacques Schnee. And to what I have seen from her, especially from the previous episode, she really cares about her town. She loves her town dearly, and she's known as the hero of Mantle. So... It's like it's better that you guys work together. Like, yeah, you guys are not on the same page though, but we're at stake here. The world the fate of the world is at stake here. And whatever personal grudges and ideals, like, we're not just talking about Mantle and Atlas anymore. We're talking about the world of Remnant. And I don't think I like he is only thinking about his country and stuff and that, not for everyone everyone else among the Remnant. And this is what made me upset, too, is the fact that, like, Iron was like, oh, well, she has to be open, too. That's only if she's willing to. I'm like, yeah, at one point she was. I don't know why Ruby did not open that up. Like, yes, she genuinely wants to know about this and stuff like that. Like, she is looking for her own town's interests. It's best that we work together and such. It's not like she had an ulterior motive and stuff like that. She had to do the scopings out because she's being left out in the dark just like the rest of everyone in town. Like, taking invaluable items towards the, the middle of fucking nowhere rather to Mantle's borders to fight off against the Grim. Like, yeah, no, like, that's, oh, man, what are you doing? So, apparently, Robin is supposedly known for breaking the law for time to time. She's a little bit of a repeated offender time to time for Mantle's interests. I could get that wrong, though, but, like, they subtly, like, talk about that time that, like, she doesn't do things in the legal way and such. But the thing is the fact that, like, she said it so herself is that sometimes that she has to because she doesn't like the fact of what the, you know, the state of mantle that they're in right now. And she is not going to sit there and just take it. So, obviously, yeah, she is going to act and you just ignoring that. Taking care of other things and stuff like that. You need more allies to work with you and such. She gave the opportunity a graceful hand so then they can work together, but now that never happened. Now, as to why they still don't trust her, I don't know that. But if they explained that a little bit, like if they explained that a bit previously beforehand, I would have understood a bit more though. But as far as I'm seeing with her character and such, she genuinely loves her town to death. She's willing to give up anything for it. She literally views that, like, as her big home and treats everybody like family. At least that's that type of impression that I'm under, though. But unless there's something that they're not telling me, and if I learn about that later in the series, I might have a problem with that because the way how she's displayed as her character, it makes sense. So, the fact that they did not take the opportunity to work with her or talk to her and stuff like that, like, oh my god. God, like, you might as well, because you're gonna tell the whole world about Salem, so you might as well get more help of preparations and stuff like that, so then she'll be like, okay, now I see what's going on, stuff like that, like, yeah, she's gonna be super unhappy, she might be full of anxiety and stuff like that, though, but, like, it will be more inclined for her to, like, help you guys get your shit together, so, It, that just really upset me, the fact that, like, they did not take that opportunity, and Ironwood was super stubborn about that just because, like, he did not like her and such for whatever personal previous history of that. So there better be some type of valid reason towards that. If not, then whew, we are going to have big problems, buddy. And even with her speech, her speech during the election, stuff like that, like, the pretty much the party, if she gets elected and stuff like that, like, It shows so much. If that doesn't show, like, sincerity and such, I don't know what does. But, to me, that's already convincing as it is already. So, I don't know if Rooster Teeth is trying to paint the picture like, yeah, she seems all this and stuff like that, though, but, like, there might be a reason as to why she's shady to begin with and such. And if there is, right now, the only thing I can pick up is the fact that she doesn't align with the law 100%. You know, with previous hints of that. I'm not saying that's, like, directly correct on that, though, but... There it's just the hints, the impression that I'm getting off as of, to what the Aesops feel about her, Ironwood feels about her, and such. And it's always about the law with her. So you know, but she she has a point though. Like the laws of mantle and Atlas having control of that, it's totally not fair to them at all. And he she wants to establish actual equality, like she actually cares. So give her that chance, like, and and that's where, like, I wanted, I wanted Mero to shut up, because he was like, oh, yeah, I'm perfectly aware, I'm just like, then why are you taking a stand for it, like, you're no better, dude, like, actually shut up, so it's, it's really upsetting to see that, and I mean, again, that's my own personal evaluation with Robin Hill at that point, and now, the tragedy, Ren, acting weird in that episode, it basically told me that something was going to happen, but I didn't know it was going to be the extreme of a slaughter before someone was elected for the council seat. Uh, And this is something that I posted on my Twitter. I talked about this, saying that this is chapter 6 of volume 7, and chapter 6 of volume 3, the whole world, you know, saw Yang kicking, basically kicking a student down when they've already been down you know like actually breaking that leg unnecessarily like that was not like okay and such to the world that is not i'm not saying that's not okay and such because we already know what happened but basically to what happened at that how the you know the anxiety the tragedy it was just starting and the grim to be more alarmed and you know negative emotions started to flow out and such it's the same exact vibe Of what they did with this chapter. I feel like that was like an on-purpose correlation with that. Um, And also the fact like, you know, again, publicity. Since I checked uh, closely with the video footage with uh, Dr. Watswain, like he was working behind the scenes. Like it looks like whatever Tyrion was doing, he was able to replace him with Penny that was basically committing the slaughter and such. And then ending it off that it looks like that she was the one that was committing the slaughter And Ironwood ordering Penny to do that just to say that if you speak out against me, I will kill you. So, due to the fact that this is going to... Now that we saw that video was uploaded, the next chapter, we're going to see how that's going to look to the general public. And everyone is going to actually go after uh, Ironwood. And he's going to be... Probably there will be an attempt to overthrow him and stuff like that. We might even see the council too when this happens and Jacques is gonna have more power than Ironwood does. So probably in exchange, Jacques Cheney might have two seats of the council rather than Ironwood does, all because that he's being framed for what he's doing. And that video alone with itself, it's going to be evident enough that whatever people have been accusing Ironwood for, it's going to show to the council and Everyone, the authorities and stuff like that, they're gonna go after Ironwood's throat. So, oh my, this is so ugly of how perfect this has been going. All because Dr. Watts has access to the security system. And that slaughter was so horrifying. Like, I actually felt like, that was so tense for me. Like, I actually felt something from that. Like, I feel like it was almost close to, like, it was a real thing. So... Shout out to Rooster Teeth for actually, like, and Team Kruby for, like, actually making this, like, real and horrifying as possible. Like, that hit me hard. And this is what you would call the perfect storm. Now that it is official that the Kingdom of Atlas, it is chaotic as fuck, this is the perfect chance that Cinder and Neo would make their appearance and basically do their own bitch move thing. My guess would be Tyrion is going to be the center of chaos, the epicenter, while Dr. Watts is going to be quiet and try to quietly claim the Relic of Creation in his own way, still working behind the scenes. And Cinder and Neo, well, they also cause chaos too, though, but, like, they're gonna try to get the Relic of Knowledge and also probably, you know, revenge with whoever, with Ruby and team whatever and stuff like that whatever happens with such and hope to god she doesn't find the winter maiden because if she does she gotta take that bitch's powers and woof, man it's gonna be it's gonna be already bad is enough because in volume 5 the battle with raven she was able to grab a portion of her powers not all of it but like a portion of it so i'm still confused about that i hope i get a clear explanation if she was able to steal those powers or not like a portion of it or not but it's already bad enough that like she was, she has the fall maiden powers, and she could get more and such, and basically do her thing, and whatever Cinder is out for her ulterior motives, that doesn't align with Salem's motives. So yeah, I'm really curious about how this volume is gonna end. But before we do that, we have to check out the other episodes that's going to come out in the future. With all of that that I discussed today in the first episode of Storm Connect, the future of Ruby. Ruby, from how things are going, it's definitely going to give me Volume 3 vibes. I don't think they're going to have uh, a triumph like how they did with Haven Academy. I feel like it won't be a big loss like what happened with Beacon, but I feel like it's going to be bad enough. I could be wrong about that because this right now, like this is going up against Ironwood in every way. It's scary. If Team Ruby does not act on their feet, with. If they don't come up with something and if Ironwood doesn't do something and actually talk to Robin or anything that could help him to save himself in the situation instead of like being paranoid of why this won't be a good idea and such, they need to act now. It's going to be a long night of that dealing with the Grim and the chaos that's going to happen and yeah, this is all happening so quick in this volume. But who knows? Let's just hope Rusu does not play with us again. We'll just have to see where that goes. And now the part that I've waited to do. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Seto Ninja, and you just listened to the first episode of Storm Connect, the journey of Atlas. Stay tuned for next Wednesday.